The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So I hope you were in the room last night at Genoa for the American Leadership Forum, a night with the six Republican Senate candidates. I knew it would be portrayed as fringy, wacky, lunatic in the mainstream media. By the way, not a mask in sight last night until I went inside and walked to the spot where the media was sitting. And the only people in the whole place, there's 1,500, which, by the way, if you see the reporting on it, 995 in the room. I don't know where they got 995. Maybe the edict came down from on high. Don't you dare legitimize this event by saying there are a thousand or more people there. Aaron, how many tickets did uh, we know for sure were sold to this event? Well, earlier in the day, we were at uh, 1,254. Okay, so I got done doing my little welcome thing. I walk out through the back of the hall to walk in through the main entrance, and there are people, walk-ups, still trying to get in. In addition to the one thousand two hundred, so the news media says nine ninety five. That's plus wrong. all the there was a couple hundred volunteers yeah, and exactly. everyone involved. And by the way, shout out to uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Margaret. I saw Margaret there last night. Margaret used to go to my church, and Margaret now goes to a different church. And Margaret is fantastic, and it was so awesome to see Margaret. And so, here is what the plane dealer wrote about. Listen to how they demean with their description. The debate was organized by the Center for Christian Virtue, a socially conservative organization that lobbies against LGBT causes in state government. Is that all that the Center for Christian Virtue does? Oh, no. Why would the plain dealer not describe the Center for Christian Virtue as an organization that has been consequential in fighting for more school choice for inner city kids? Hmm? Because they have, and they do, and they're a big proponent of the backpack bill. But that is left out of the plain dealer's description of the Center for Christian Virtue by Andrew J. Tobias, leftist liar. But, I mean, he works for the plain dealer, so it could be nothing else but that. So, Josh Mandel said at one point last night among his way-out-there comments... Mark Zuckerberg should be in jail. And the crowd, yeah, whoa, yeah. And this is what Josh Mandel does. He knows that he has a bunch of uh, voracious Christian conservatives there. But you have to be more sophisticated than that in evaluating the red meat that Josh Mandel throws on the plate for you to eat. Because if Josh Mandel becomes a senator and the Republicans throw Mark Zuckerberg in jail... There's nothing to keep the next Democratic president from doing what a lot of people fear the Democratic president in office now, barely awake, but in office, is trying to do by sicking his Department of Justice on parents at school board meetings. So you can't be against that, and you should be against that, and you should be fighting against that because it's deplorable, and they have no authority constitutionally over parents at school board meetings. That's a local law enforcement issue. But you don't want Merrick Garland and his henchmen doing that. 
then you can't applaud for Josh Mandel saying, ah, throw Mark Zuckerberg in jail. I mean, come on. Don't play into the stereotype that you're stupid because you're a Republican voter. Freedom swings both ways. You have the freedom to be a nutcase, but you also have the freedom to understand that that's not what you want. Let's talk to Doug in Westerville. Doug, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show, 844-TALK-989, our number 844-TALK-989. Hello, Doug. I'm sorry, Doug. I thought I queued you up. Now you're up, Doug. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, I went to uh, Genoa last night to uh, to meet some of these candidates. Uh, some of them I've heard before, mm-hmm. uh, bits and pieces, Josh Mandel as he was running years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, and Jane Timken, I'm getting all kinds of pop-ups on uh, websites that I have to visit, and all of a sudden, boom, there's Jane Timken talking about... She's spending on digital, no doubt. She's definitely uh, spending she on digital. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing I, you know, a couple little sound bites that I got, from from uh, last night uh, was uh, when Matt Dolan says fix the problem not through executive orders, and that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, Trump Trump had to use executive orders because he couldn't even with the Democrats or the uh, the uh, House and the Senate and um, and the White House all Republican he couldn't get things through and yeah. you know had to resort to executive orders which is a shame because you know I thought he was a, a, a a businessman who would he be able to work deals and everything like that to get the votes and everything but that he needed, but it didn't happen. Um, one of the other things that really kind of resonated with me, and I, it's, I did, did I misunderstood this, but Bernie Marino said that we should send the military into Mexico to stop the cartels? Bernie Moreno said that we need to designate, I believe I'm quoting him accurately on this, we need to, there was some designation that he said we need to place on the Mexican drug cartels I believe he said designate them as a terrorist organization, which would then comply with U.S. law for our military to go into Mexico and pursue them and put them out of business. Okay, all right, that's all right. So that kind of struck like what? No, I don't think we need to do that. I don't think I think Mexico would be kind of against something like that. But uh, um, you know, and the other thing that uh, Mike Gibbons said that I thought was pretty interesting was that uh, judges should not be legislators. Um, yeah, that was a, that was put forth agree. by a lot of people. I firmly agree with that, too. Did you come away, Doug, last night either committed to voting for someone or wanting to learn more about one, two, or more candidates? Uh, learning more about a couple of different candidates. And I held off on getting some yard signs because the neighborhood I live in is uh, it's, it's a mix. So yeah. um, we don't have anybody going around sm- smashing uh, pumpkins in the street like we do in Westerville, but... Uh, that that may come about. Which um, to which have, candidates did you want to know more about? Uh, J.D. Vance and uh, Bernie Moreno. And which, if any, candidates did you eliminate based on last night? Uh, I, if there's I none, that's fine. It. If there's none, that's fine. Jane, Jane Temkin, and the reason I I say that is because I've been a I've been a Trump supporter for years. Um, one of the things that really turned me off when Trump was in president uh, was he stopped taking the the uh, PDBs, which is the president daily briefs uh, from the CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the opportunity to write several PDBs, and it is not easy. It is very, it's very difficult. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to do something like that, no, but no. Um, yeah, 
That's, a, that's yeah, above yeah, my pay grade. I will take your word for it, though. I will take your word for it. Well, I appreciate you coming last night, Doug. I appreciate your uh, assessment of it, your analysis of it. I find it uh, very insightful. I'd love to hear more. 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. Here is Jane Timken's opening statement last night. The question is, tell me why, Hugh Hewitt asked, tell me why you are the candidate to defeat Tim Ryan. I'm the best candidate here tonight to defeat Tim Ryan because I am the only candidate that's actually been in the trenches fighting for our conservative values and for the America First agenda. Uh, President Trump endorsed and supported me to take on the, the party as chair of the party, and I delivered and unified the Ohio Republican Party, delivered results in 2018, and proudly delivered Ohio for President Trump by more than eight and a half points. I know how to win. I know how to win these races in Ohio because I've done it. As I've traveled 150,000 miles in my car all across the state of Ohio. I know what Ohio values are, and I know which policies from Washington work for Ohioans and which ones do not. And I'm in this fight for the America First agenda. Okay, did you hear anything there that a politician wouldn't say? I didn't. Everything I heard there is exactly what a politician would say. Here's, here's my little Bruce Hooley political consulting firm piece of advice to every political candidate in every race everywhere. Do not ever begin a sentence, I'm the only candidate who. Because I bet you're not the only candidate who. And she's not the only candidate who has been in the trenches. Matt Dolan hasn't been in the trenches. He's an elected official. Of course he's been in the trenches. Okay. Mike, uh, the other thing, she overstates her support from President Trump. Now, her words are, pre- are accurate, but in that room, when you say Donald Trump endorses me, people are going to assume she means he's endorsing me in this race. And he has not done that, and there are a lot of political experts who do not believe he will do that that he will endorse a specific candidate in this race. He will endorse, certainly, for the general, because he's not going to endorse screaming Tim Ryan, but he's not going to, we don't know, but it looks like he might not, he certainly has not endorsed anybody yet. So that's an overstatement. She says, I delivered and I unified the party in 2018. Well, the party was pretty unified in 2016. Ohio went for Trump in 2016. So don't take credit for flipping Ohio to Donald Trump. Okay, the support of Ohio might have been more bold in 2020 than it was in 2016, but that's an overstatement. I don't particularly care that you've driven 150,000 miles around Ohio in your car because I bet Bernie Moreno has too, and I bet Josh Mandel has too. And I think all six people sitting up there on stage know what the values are in Ohio. Although I'm not sure Matt Dolan knows what the values are in Ohio because Matt Dolan's worst moment last night. And this is the moment he'll have to overcome. But I I will say I admire the fact that he owns it. He is completely out of touch with that audience's view of instilling transgender rights as a protected class. He's out of touch on that. He makes it about jobs to people like me, Christian conservative dad, three daughters. 
and like a lot of people in that room last night, we don't tie transgender rights as a protected class or gay rights as a protected class by meaning like if, you know, you run a Christian business and a transgender woman comes in, it's a guy in a dress like the four, the first female four-star admiral, okay? who's not a female, who's a dude and has been a dude for 50 years until he put a dress on. If transgender rights are a protected class and you run a Christian business and you're an, like, you've got a pastoral job open at your church, it's probably an exaggeration, bad example, let's stay out of the church. Let's just say you run a Christian business. And you, as a private business person, want people to, uh, you know, actually dress in a way that accords their biological sex. You run a funeral home, and a person comes and applies for a job, and they're transgender, and they're a protected class. You go, I'm sorry, I can't hire you because, I mean, we've got people coming in here grieving, and you're a dude in a dress. Matt Dolan would protect that because to Matt Dolan, and he said this repeatedly last night, at least twice— He said, you don't want to be coming up with any policies that keep people from having a job in Ohio. Well, I mean, generally, Matt, I agree with that. But specifically on the whole transgender thing, is that really going to make like a thousandth of a percentage point difference in the Ohio jobless rate? I think not. I hope not. I hope we don't have that many dudes walking around in dresses. So Matt Dolan's out of touch on that. So you heard Jane Timken's opening statement. You'll hear the others uh, as the show progresses. I will get to J.D. Vance and to Josh Mandel's openings uh, and maybe more next on The Bruce Woolley Show. Uh, he does not need me to, but I will defend the honor of uh, Hugh Hewitt after the top of the hour. Uh, one of the reports of this Senate candidate forum last night. Just, it's hard for me to believe that you could be a reporter for the Associated Press and miss exactly what Hugh Hewitt asked and then misquote him without it being uh, nefarious and designed as a hit piece. So I pretty much know how it was intended, but I'll give you the details on that after the top of the hour. Right now, let's hear from the candidates themselves. Here is the opening statement last night from J.D. Vance, a portion of it, on... Why are you the candidate who can defeat Tim Ryan? So I think we can go after Tim Ryan on the fact that he's basically a fraud and a phony. He says all these great things. He doesn't actually do it. He's been in office for 20 years and hasn't protected those middle-class jobs. I think the other thing we can do is, you know, the, the, the Democrats have gone so crazy on the social issues, on the gender issue, on the abortion issue. I mean, you know, 20 years ago it was safe, legal, and rare, which wasn't my view, but that was at least a different view than now. It's like shout your abortion from the rooftops. I think we have to be willing as Republicans in a general election to hammer the left on how crazy they've gone on social issues because those are the issues where we actually have an opportunity. Those are the issues, I think, where we have an opportunity to show who we are and just how radical the Democrats have gotten. I think he made that point very well. I think that's a point that resonates. You don't have to be a conservative Christian. Look, it is really weird strange that we're in a time where you even have to have a conversation about biological men using women's restrooms to hear that a school in Loudoun County, Virginia, 
allows a boy in a dress to go in and use a girl's restroom, rape a girl, and rape doesn't begin to detail the unspeakable, awful things he did to her, then put the kid on house arrest and put him in another school where he takes a girl prisoner in a classroom and sexually molests her. We're in a weird period. The plane dealer made fun of Aaron Baer, Center of Christian Virtue, last night, saying we're in a dark time, a period of darkness. No, that's darkness. The first female four-star admiral in the Navy is a dude. That's darkness. Babies in a womb can be killed at any point, even after delivery, and it's called women's health care. That's darkness. Fourteen, excuse me, 13 American service personnel can be blown up in a suicide bombing in Kabul. And our president, our president terms it an extraordinary, the, the effort, which encompasses, by the way, the retreat, the withdrawal, the humiliation in Afghanistan, which encompasses the death of 13 American service personnel, all encompassed in that. He calls it an extraordinary success. So if you think we're not in a period of darkness, it's because you yourself are amid that darkness and you don't recognize the light. So I think J.D. Vance made that point very well last night. I think that's why people left last night willing to learn more about J.D. Vance. Now, there's some things about J.D. Vance that people are nervous about and shouldn't be, and there's some things about J.D. Vance that people are nervous about, and clarification is certainly merited. Number one, he's got an Ivy League education. Okay. One of my best friends, one of the most staunchest conservatives I know, was educated at Princeton. So you can go to an Ivy League school, and you can still be a conservative. Now, the ties to Peter Thiel, the ties to you know Silicon Valley, the stuff he said about Donald Trump in the past, which, by the way, I thought J.D. Vance answered last night the only way you can answer it. I was wrong. And I was wrong. I was wrong about Trump. I was wrong. That's an honest way to answer it. But, you know, I'm not telling you. Trust him. I'm not saying he's authentic. I'm saying I want to learn more. All right, here's Josh Mandel's opening last night. Remember, the question is, what is it about you that should assure us that you can beat Tim Ryan? The question was, uh, why am I the best candidate to beat Tim Ryan? I'm the only candidate up here that's running his campaign through churches. My opponents are all running their campaign through traditional Republican Party groups, which is fine. Uh, But I believe that with everything we're facing in this country, we're not going to save the country for our kids and grandkids in Republican Party offices. We're going to save the country in houses of worship like this. When I first started running the campaign through churches, people were laughing at me and ridiculing me. Uh, We had our first church town hall in a town called Bucyrus, Ohio, about an hour from here. And in Bucyrus, we were hoping to have about 50 people show up. We had 250 people show up at Victory and Truth Ministries. We then went to Finley, had 270 people show up at First Nazarene had 300 people show up at Washington Baptist, had 500 people show up at Solid Rock Church in Lebanon, and then we had 600 people show up at Community Grace Brethren, a church in the middle of a cornfield in Miami County. And the reason I'm running my campaign through churches instead of running my campaign through traditional Republican Party groups is because this fight is to protect the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America. See, he's he's on point with that, but... I don't think that's the reason you're going to beat Tim Ryan. you got to have more than that. That can't be the primary reason. That's what people in the room wanted to hear, which is often my feeling of why Josh Mandel says what he says.